Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The ancient wisdom is that, well, regarding salmon, particularly here on the North Coast, what happens to the salmon happens to us. And I think we can say that for um, cranes and all other species, what happens to them is going to happen to us. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests. And I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, I know that we can find the most surprise, the deepest rest, an ignition of curiosity and gratitude as we do the tiniest, simplest things. My walks with Maisie the dog are a three times daily exercise. Not just for my physical body, but for my well-being. That simple act of just getting outside and noticing the sounds, smells, rhythms of our neighborhood, being part of a landscape where the littlest shift of light reminds me that the season is changing and that I am changing. This feeds my spirit and it helps me remember who I am when it is easy to forget in a flurry of distraction or worry. My guest today is poet Jerome Gagnon. His work has been described as sitting at the intersection of inner and outer landscapes. And his new collection is a call to action to restore the harm we do to nature and to ourselves. We'll be talking about that new collection, Refuge for Cranes. Are you ready to meet him? Born in Oakland, California, Jerome Gagnon received a master's in creative writing from San Francisco State University and lives and works in Northern California, my old stomping ground. A former teacher and tutor, he's the author of the collections Spell of the Ordinary, Rumors of Wisdom, and most recently, Refuge for Cranes from Wild House Publishing. He's the winner of the Louis Award and the Robert Frost Foundation Poetry Award, and his writing has appeared in Poet Lore, Spiritus, The Healing Muse, California Quarterly, Modern Haiku, and many other journals. A longtime student of non-dual traditions, he's passionate about the preservation of sandhill cranes, and other bird species. You can find out more at jeromegagnonblog.wordpress.com. Jerome, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. It's wonderful to be with you. What inspired Refuge for Cranes? What was it that sparked this beautiful book? That's a wonderful question. Um, it's amazing, actually, that the books come out because, you know, it starts from kind of a little seed or a spark. And I think it actually goes back quite a long time because cranes came into my life uh, through art. I seem to have been collecting little objects and paintings and things that had to do with cranes. And I didn't even realize that until um, I finally wrote a poem about one based on a... Um, 
a Chinese scroll that I bought in Chinatown that uh, features three cranes, uh, some bamboo, very traditional Chinese brush painting. And the poem was not that great, but I thought, mm, I want to write more about cranes. So I did uh, look at them a lot online, and I did see some in person. We do get them in the San Francisco Bay Area once in a while, up around the North Bay. And um, during the pandemic, the cranes were really kind of a, a refuge for me. Just watching them was, I found to be very peaceful and relaxing. And uh, and then I wrote a couple more poems about them. And I finally had several poems that fell into the category of praise uh, and included a, a poem or two about cranes. But I knew I wanted probably to talk uh, about the sense of loss and grief that I was feeling, which was really connected with the pandemic, as well as um, the loss of uh, species or the potential loss of species. Um, and, you know, it just kind of sort of um, became an exploration of the tension between those two things, praise and I guess you could say fear or grief. Mm. The, the cranes themselves are ungainly and yet they're perfectly, um, fit perfectly into wherever they are. Do you know what I mean? That's a very good description of it. Absolutely. They're very, I don't know. Well, it's just so amazing because they can live in water. Uh, they fly, they, you know, they're comfortable on land. Um, and, uh, and then they can, you know, migrate just, you know, thousands and thousands of miles. And I think all those attributes have given them this um, incredible survival uh, run for, we think, at least anywhere from two and a half to five million years, perhaps longer. Wow. wow. It's, it's making me think about how we can choose as we are in nature. I'm thinking of me walking the dog or maybe you watching the cranes, how we can choose to be in nature, even though we are ungainly, we don't always quite fit in. We can choose to be at rest in that way of being present in nature, or we can choose to try to kind of be weird in it and dominate it and pollute it and tear it apart and whatever it is, not pick up after ourselves. And I was struck as I read your work that with the tension, as you said, between that praise and the joy and the uplift of energy and the loss and the grief and the kind of um, sorrow maybe at what we've done to ourselves here. Yeah, it is very painful for a lot of people. One ecologist has coined the term, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the name, but coined the term eco-grief. And it's really... Um, I don't know if you could say epidemic, but it's especially affecting young people, not all young people, but <laughs> some of them anyway. And um, I think uh, your comment that we can either, you know, become very weird and try to dominate it, uh, which we, we've done, that's our history, of course, and that's it's not working anymore. You know, we're realizing that according to science, really, um, the next five to 10 years are going to be critical for not only um, between, well, about a million species are threatened with extinction within 10 years. That's one prediction. Um, but the fact is that 
you know, our future is also linked to these um, creatures, the flora and the fauna. And uh, the ancient wisdom is that, well, regarding salmon, particularly here on the North Coast, what happens to the salmon happens to us. And I think we can say that for um, cranes and all other species, what happens to them is going to happen to us. I mean, I don't mean to be dark, but part of the process of the writing some of the poems was to really face up to that. And it, it isn't really dark because part of what uh, learning or awareness or spiritual practice or, or growth does for us is to ask us to be present with what's really there. And since yeah. that's what's really there, our ability to to be with that, to hold that, to take responsibility for it, that, I don't know, is that dark? That feels to me like there could be some light in there. It can feel very dark and it can feel very overwhelming to people. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to um, acknowledge it or are sort of functioning, you know, at least for a while with this idea of, you know, it's all a hoax. It's, it's a form of denial. But one ecologist said that, you know, we really need to stay with the trouble in order to find uh, new solutions and new possibilities, because if you don't, you're not going to find that way forward. I wonder if you would read the poem earth bites that's tied in as a call to action and it feels like we were talking about sitting at that intersection between the inner and outer landscape that poem to me calls uh calls me to action in a in a wider way can you share that poem yeah i'd be ha i'd be happy to and thank you for bringing that one up that was a poem i i knew had to be in the collection um and it goes back uh started from an, a line i really wrote probably back in 1980 and it never really found <laughs> found a home but it started out here as the first line so um this here it is earth bites perform your natural magic like the bulb that emits the bloom be in harmony with the brown bear the moon and the music of reeds restore the oceans and rivers the kelp forests marshes and bays Repair the hives of bees and the resting places of monarchs. Embrace the other, brother and sister. See no one and nothing as the enemy. Notice this place as if for the first time, as if it was your own skin, your own bones. Draw strength here and return it. Mm. When you are writing, how does that, how does it feel? Does it all flow at once? I heard you say you'd been carrying around that first line for a while. When you're in this creative process, what does that feel like? Well, you know, I wrote that line, you know, maybe, what, 80, 90 30, 35 years ago or something. But I didn't literally, I mean, I carried around in the sense that it was sitting in a box somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't, um, I don't think it was anything that was on the tip of my tongue. It's funny that that came back. Um, and yeah, it felt like I had to write, um, I think I kind of had to go into my Walt Whitman persona there a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, kind of like um, 
directive. This is normally, I don't want to be preachy, but I felt this is the one place where I can do that um, to say this is what you might want to consider doing, you know, if you're moved in that direction. Um, and I didn't want it to come off as sort of a, you know, try to fix the world sort of thing, but more to try to participate in the world without, without so many boundaries, maybe that's, or so many fixations on things that are less important. You know, we're fi fixating on social media and all sorts of things like, I'm a big Lady Gaga fan, but I really don't need to hear all the details about her personal life. <laughs> there are more important things in the world, and I'm sure she'd agree. So that that reminder in the poem to me, though, there's a reminder of our power, too. Mm. There's all these ways, at least the way it feels to me as I read it, um, there's a reminder of all the all the many things that are happening, the small and the large, right? The the bud that's blooming and resting places of monarchs. And there's a reminder of our power in that, right? In that surge and flow, there's our power to perform our natural magic too. That no matter how distracted we got into Lady Gaga's personal life or no matter the mistake I made yesterday, there's natural magic maybe that we can perform now. And it's in that place of the now it feels to me that we can make change. To me, that's part of the power of this poem. Oh, thank you very much. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. It is um, at some point we have to recognize that, you know, we can make a difference and, and it is in the moment. It's not imagining we're going to make a difference or wishing we'd made a difference and that'll be too late. But really right now, and I know there are some people a few years ago who, um, work at an ecology center down in Texas who saved hundreds of uh, sea turtles because it was unseasonably cold down there. They would have frozen to death if they weren't gathered together and put in a, a warm environment. So, you know, they saved hundreds of sea turtles. And I think to me, that's like a kind of noble action um, that we can be proud of. And, um, it's a form of compassion and um, the world desperately needs that compassion. You know, it's not just about the sea turtles, of course, it's about being compassionate for each other. You're listening to out of the fog and I'm talking with Jerome Cagnon. His new collection of poems is refuge for cranes praise poems from the Anthropocene. You can find out more about Jerome and his work at Jerome Gagnon blog. Dot wordpress dot com and his name is spelled J E R O M E G A G N O N Jerome Gagnon blog dot wordpress dot com. That feeling of of praise of lifting energy and praise, even when everything isn't perfect, even when you can see that things are changing and maybe not in a great way. What do you feel like is the is the is the function of praise how do you want us reading these poems of praise how do you want us to respond i think that's um a very good question it's probably the way i phrase it when i suggest you ask me a question like that but since um 
I suggested that, I realize it's probably framed uh, in, inaccurately. It would be better to say that praise is a flowering, I think, because oh. it's you could call it a, a flowering of the spirit, um, but it just really makes us feel good. You know, it's a natural outgrowth of happiness or, let's say, contentment with the environment, the world we live in, with ourselves, most of all. And um, I think at its most effective, it can lead us into a state of unity or communion. Um, and one of the roles of the poet, I think, then is to provide a channel for that through through poetry to bring it into the public conversation. And of course, Mary Oliver is the greatest example of that. She's one of my really favorite poets. And um, I think so many people have been touched by her work and her deep devotion to nature. Um, I think you asked me another question, but I'm not sure I answered it. What is the function? What is the flowering? I love, oh, I love, but I love that flowering is much better because it comes from that mm, changing and unchanged place of us. It it comes from that place that can embrace this moment as if we'd never seen it before. Um, so I love flowering's beautiful. Yes, please. Flowering. I was wondering how how you imagine or how you would like us to feel as we read those poems of praise. Because there's uh -huh. in some spiritual traditions, there's poems of praise that's like, oh, you're great. Oh, hello. Aren't you wonderful? Thanks a lot. These aren't like that. These are alive. I think, um, you know, the poet Carl Phillips, a marvelous poet, I think he just won a major prize. I think he just won the Pulitzer. He said uh, recently in an interview, a place must be made still for joy. And that's interesting because, you know, that word still can go two ways. One, we must continue to make a place for joy even now in, in these times of crisis, ecological crisis. But um, we also must make a, a place of stillness for joy. We have to stop and slow down in order to go deeply, in order to feel that joy. Um, on the other hand, there's, you know, the joy, I think that you can just find, um, like you go out on your walks with your dog, Maisie, and there's that kind of unexpected joy that kind of just takes over sometime. And that's, you know, uh, <laughs> just like, that's what we should experience at least, uh, a few hours every day, I think. And then we're missing that. We're really missing it because we're glued to our cell phones and our social media and our Netflix and so on and so forth. And I think we're missing a lot. And um, part of the need, I think some people have pointed out, Thich Nhat Hanh, the uh, Vietnamese uh, Buddhist teacher, pointed out that uh, change will happen only on a fundamental level if we fall back in love with the planet. And we have to give ourselves opportunity to do that. How can we fall back in love with the planet? For for people listening who are wanting to reconnect, you've said re-enchant ourselves. For people listening who want to start that process, what can we do? How do we begin? Well, I'm happy to say that I think a lot of your listeners uh, are probably very empathic and are, are very open to the beauties of nature and saving, preserving nature. But for those people who are just beginning to kind of reconnect, 
I think it's important just to get out in nature once in a while, and it doesn't have to be into the wilds. In fact, um, some of the most profound experiences I've had in nature have been in my own backyard. It just happens that way, especially if you like to put her around in the garden or even if you don't and you're out there pulling weeds or something. It can be a wonderful experience just to come across uh, some unexpected thing, you know, a, a monarch butterfly that you haven't seen for two years or three years because there aren't that many of them anymore. So, yeah, getting out in nature and maybe just to a local park or someplace where you feel safe. I think that sometimes people who um, are trying to reconnect to nature get a little crazy and they go out like to Yellowstone or Yosemite or whatever. And, the, you know, you can't feed the bears. You shouldn't feed the bears. You should you shouldn't try to pet the the bison or take uh, <laughs> selfies with them. It's not really advisable. So yeah, I feel comfortable honestly walking around the neighborhood like you do, and in the morning because we're at, in the foothills, right by a fifteen thousand acre park, I can go up there too, which is wonderful. But sometimes I just like to see the way, you know, the sun is coming up around the uh, the foothills what's left of them, of course, because our habitat is shrinking too with houses and everything. Um, but then there are other kind of unexpected things that, you know, you get when you're out there, if you pay attention, um, can be a form of mindfulness in nature. If you pay attention to how your senses are reacting, you know, what, what scents are coming up for you, especially in the fall here, we'll um, get the scent of wet grass or moist grass, which is very particular. Or just a few weeks ago, there was, because it was so hot here in uh, the East Bay and it was low tide, we got very kind of stinky, um, what do you call it? Uh, weeds and things just uh, that were rotting, you know? And, uh, but still it's kind of a fascinating thing to pick up on those different messages from nature. I, I suspect that people who lived here on this land where I am as the Ohlone Indians were very attuned to those different things and they could have signaled different conditions for them in terms of food sources or who knows what. I mean, it's just, it was another world. I'm thinking about how when, and this is true for me, I'm not, I'm not much of an outdoors girl. But I'm thinking about how in times when I have felt out of rhythm in my in my own life, whether because it was what was going on emotionally or something I was working on or whatever it was, that sometimes coming out into a place where there's a bigger cycle taking place, bigger than my involvement in social media, bigger than my own, you know, complicated emotional life, coming out into a place where that bigger cycle is happening I can sometimes feel myself as part of that bigger process, the way we do when we look at the stars, or I'm remembering from these poems, there's a poem where you talk about <laughs> planting the morning glories, then wishing you hadn't and going in to try to cut them back and finding the red rose and the morning glory together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even in those juxtapositions, we can find ourselves as an observer of those bigger patterns that are taking place. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a that was my yeah a good example of when I was in my garden, just like doing an unpleasant task of trying to cut back the morning glories. Um, 
you know, even that is where you get, I wrote a haiku about it, actually. And the, the line in that haiku was something about lost in the tangle, um, which is kind of, kind of uh, the way we are when we're unaware, I think. We're lost in a tangle of thoughts or preoccupations. But to become aware that we're in the tangle uh, and maybe maybe we're about to be tripped up as I was when I was out there with the morning glories, that's a that's a kind of a wonderful recognition and um, and it can't be an epiphany. Uh, I'm not saying that one was, but it was it was a, a joyful moment just to be out there and to see those two flowers that I hadn't expected. You know, I love the morning glories because they're that brilliant purple. And I was warned not to plant them. <laughs> but but uh, it was at a time in my life when I, I really wanted a lot of flowers around. And I really love morning glories. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to go go ahead and plant them. How bad can they be? <laughs> well, <laughs> they're incorrigible. <laughs> but right now, they're actually very splendid growing up over a wall um outside one of my windows and it's you know the hummingbirds love them some of the butterflies love them and so i do see a little bit of wildlife that other people don't see um you know when they put in the astroturf and the i have a little gravel but some people just you know are really hard servicing everything and you lose a lot honestly you lose a friend a neighbor said don't you isn't it a problem for you having all those leaves around? And there really weren't that many. And I said, not really. I said, to me, it just looks natural. I like it like that. I don't like everybody. I don't, I don't like people coming in with leaf blowers and mm -hmm. <laughs> blowers. I mean, once in a while is okay. Once a year or something, but uh, yeah, not every week. I'd love for you to tell listeners how they can find out more about your work, how they can get their hands on the book. And you shared a really generous um, offer for them to get uh, a free copy of either Rumors of Wisdom or Spell of the Ordinary. Can you give us all those good details? Good details. Well, the book is published by Wild House Publishing, as you mentioned. And so you can order it directly from their site. And I understand now that it's available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon as well. Um, if you go to my blog, jeromegagnonblog.wordpress.com, um, I do have a link to both the book launch that's coming up tomorrow, which of course is free. And, um, and you can also click on to order the book from there. And um, so, yeah, I'm happy to give some extra copies. I have quite a few uh to send out to people if they're interested, they just need to email me uh, at gagnonjerome7 at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to send either one of the books. Um, just to let me know what you want. Uh, Spell of the Ordinary is a chapbook, and Rumors of Wisdom is um, you know longer and contains a lot of the poems from Spell of the Ordinary. So, um, yeah, just let me know and I'll be happy to send them out. 
Oh, that's one. That's really generous. So if you go to jeromegagnonblog.wordpress.com, you'll be able to find a link to order Refuge for Cranes from Wild House Publications. You can find it other places as well. Um, that book launch that he mentioned is happening on September 12th, 2023. Um, so we're recording this on September 11th, 2023. And if you email uh, Jerome at gagnonjerome7 at gmail.com by September 20th, um, just with your name and address, he will send out a free copy to you of either Rumors of Wisdom or the chapbook spell of the ordinary. That's wonderful. Now I know I'm having fun and yet I know we have to go as we're going. Could you please read refuge for cranes for us? Sure. Be happy to. Let me just find it here. It's page 45. Not that I marked it or anything like a big geek. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Refuge for cranes. One. At dawn, the greater sandhill cranes descend on the flooded fields in waves with a clapping of wings and a chain of trumpet calls. To say they're like swollen reeds, isn't it? They're like saplings with wings, taller than the grapevines that grow not far from here in what was once a vast slough. To see them is to see parts of them, the pieced carapace of their one life. Two. They stand in the shallows on stilt-like legs, contemplating stillness and any movement in stillness, wings wrapped closely to their cores. If they move at all, it's to stalk or bow at the prospect of another morsel in the broth, which they firmly snatch in their beaks and swallow. Three, we won't see the likes of them again, skimming the surface of the water, their enormous wings combing the air. A child could be carried by them, or an old soul be transported to the moon. Our doubts dissolved in their lurching climb, the piercing notes. Jerome Gagnon, thank you very much for talking with us today. That is Jerome Gagnon. His new collection of poetry is called Refuge for Cranes, praise poems from the Anthropocene. You can find out more about Jerome and his work at jeromegagnonblog.wordpress.com. And you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if it feels aligned. And if you're looking for more Out of the Fog content and obsessive chronicling of Maisie the dog and what I'm, what's on my jigsaw puzzle table, you can find me on Instagram where I am Fog City Psychic. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.